got a simple thought tonight, but it's not a simple truth. In fact, it is a truth that many miss. Um, I am uh, very grateful to the Lord for helping me this morning and tonight. I, as I said this morning, I alluded to it. I said more about it in the men's prayer breakfast on Saturday. Uh, whenever we have projects going on, construction projects or work projects, I feel an overwhelming sense of responsibility to oversee it, make sure that things are done as well as can be done. And uh, the downside of that is it takes me out of my office, out of my study, from st spending time studying, preparing messages, which is very stressful for me. I like to prepare. And, uh, but I found out, older I get, I still can't do but one thing at a time, no matter how hard I try. And it's hard, it's hard to cut boards and build stuff and study and work on a message at the same time. But trying to get this done as quick as we can and uh, to get back to normal. Uh, but I appreciate the Lord helping me with giving me what I feel like are thoughts and passages of Scripture that will benefit the church. might not be deep preaching, but it will be helpful preaching, all right? And tonight is another message, not a deep message, but a message that I believe all of us need from John chapter 13. If you're there, stand with me, please. I'm going to just read a couple of verses, and then we will look more in depth throughout the passage as we get through the message. John 13, verse 1, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, Having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself and after he had after that he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. I'm going to stop right there and we're going to jump right into this passage of scripture tonight. And I want to preach on this thought. Do you have a towel? Do you have a towel? Father, we ask you now to help us as we look at this passage of scripture, may we be able to ex extract and expound the truth that is here, the primary truth that is in this story. Help us tonight to glean, understand, and Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand what it means to serve and to minister to others like you did in this story. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I have I, I brought with me tonight a, a towel so that you could understand what I was saying down south, we say towel. Towel. Like you lay tile on the floor, but it's not, it's towel. I have a towel. We've got this out of the baptistry room up there. My question to you tonight is, do you have a towel? One of the children said that they did. I'm grateful for that. They can dry off when they get out of the bathtub. The word towel is only mentioned in the Bible twice. Both of them is right here in this story, verse 4 and verse number 5. I was surprised to learn that. It's only mentioned in this story. But the usage and the, and the imagery that is in this word and in this passage is powerful. And it's a tremendous lesson for all of us to learn and understand tonight. The lesson is about our duty 
and our responsibility as believers to be actively involved in ministry to others. The church, this church is very special to me because this church, I believe, has a large number of people that have a towel. I'm grateful to serve in a church where so many people are eager to serve and to minister. And I mentioned a moment ago that you might get an email uh, to, that we need some help on Saturday to come and clean up. And I know that if we send out a plea that we'll get a great response. Last night when I was here, I told Brother Angel, I said, let me get some people over here to help you. There's a lot of people that would come here in a, in a heartbeat if they knew we needed help. We didn't know what the schedule was for the workers. I didn't want to put something out and then uh, mess them up. We just kind of let them work. They worked till about 5 o'clock or so. And uh, I think they wanted to get done more than they did. But about 5 o'clock, they, they pulled off the job. And, and I knew that if I wanted to, I could pick the phone up and I could have called about 10 or 15 people and had 10 or 15 people here like that, pushing vacuum cleaners and dusting. I knew that. And that is a blessing to me, to be in a church full of people that have a towel. Now, we're going to get into the meat of the message. Y'all are following me what I'm saying, right? When I say have a towel, I'm going to explain that to you tonight. And I want you to leave the service tonight with an understanding that it is imperative that you and I understand the example of Christ in this passage of Scripture where he took a towel, girded himself, wiped their feet with a towel in verse number five. And it's important that you and I understand that we need a towel. We need to be involved in ministry and serving others. I'm going to give you three very simple points tonight right here in our text and then we'll go to the house. I want you to notice, first of all, the exhibition of service in our text here tonight. Verse number four and verse number five. He riseth from supper, laid aside his garments, and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. He could have just simply talked about it. He could have instructed them that they needed to do it. But no, Jesus being the, the, the passionate and the, and, and the concerned and conscientious master and teacher that he was, he decided this would be a great time for an object lesson. And so the Bible tells us that he demonstrated a, 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 a what it means to serve. And when you start reading these verses, you can't help but understand that there are several layers to this, this, this demonstration, this exhibition of service in verses number four and five that I believe are very relevant to you and I having a heart for ministry. And I want to just go to verse number four and break this down and dissect this a little bit. And I'll give you just a couple of subpoints if you want to jot these down as we look at what he did in verse number four, setting this example. The first thing he did, the Bible says he riseth from supper. That tells me that he left the place of refreshment and relaxation in order to serve. Now this is powerful. This is important. Because this meal that he was sitting at, this meal that was just being ended in verse number two, this dinner, this supper, no doubt 
Jesus was enjoying this time of intimacy and fellowship because he knew what was about to take place. This is prior to Gethsemane. This is prior to, to Gabbatha. This is prior to Golgotha. This is prior to the crucifixion. Just a few hours before, he was beaten with the cat of nine tails. Just a few hours before, he was beaten with rods and the crown of thorns was beaten to his head. Just a few hours before that, we find them here in chapter number 13. And he was enjoying himself, no doubt. This was the last time that he got to sit down with the company of all of his disciples and have a meal on this side of Calvary. Is everybody still with me? No doubt he would have loved to just sit there and enjoyed the sweet fellowship. I know I enjoy fellowshipping with God's people. I enjoy uh, our men's prayer breakfast. We start at nine. And at 9.30, all the guys are still just a-talking. We have to round them up and say, all right, we've got to go pray. And I know that if we didn't, they'd sit there for an hour and a half and just fellowship and just enjoy being with one another. And we take missionaries out to eat sometimes. We have pastors and their family come over to our house after church, and we'll stay up till 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night. Fellowship, and no doubt Jesus was enjoying this moment of relaxation and refreshment at this table. But the Bible tells us that he rose up from the supper in verse number four. He left the table, he left the food, he left the comfort of the pillow, the seat, no doubt, that he was sitting on. He left the sweet fellowship, he left the pleasures of the food and the company, why? To serve. There's a time to eat, there's a time to fellowship, there's a time to get refreshed and renewed and revived, there's a time to relax and then there's a time to serve. There's a time to work. I'm not going to get a lot of amens in this message, I can tell. There's a time to labor, to roll up your sleeves and get busy. Song came out probably in the 70s or 80s. I looked the words up, thought about singing it tonight before the message, but I decided rather to just read the lyrics to you. The songwriter wrote a song that says, There's peace and contentment in my father's house today. Lots of food on his table and no one has turned away. There's singing and laughter as the hours pass by, but a hush calms the singing as the father sadly cries. And the chorus says, my house is full, but my field is empty. Who will go and work for me today? It seems my children want to stay around my table, but no one wants to work in my fields. No one wants to work in my fields. The second verse says, push away from the table, look out through the window pane. Just beyond the house of plenty lies a field of golden grain, and it's white unto harvest, but the reapers, where are they? In the house, said the children. And you hear the father sadly say, my house is full, but my field is empty. Are you following the gist of the message tonight? There's a time to sit at the table. There's a time to feast. There's a time to fellowship. There's a time to get refueled. There's a time uh, to let God charge your battery. But the whole purpose of it, I'm pretty sure, is to leave the supper, leave the table, get up and go out and touch somebody's life and make a difference. Jesus set an example. He laid down his napkin and he picked up his towel. He laid down his fork and his knife and he picked up his towel. 
He left the plate, the food, the fun, the fellowship, the relaxation, and went to work. We as Baptists, we have a notorious reputation for eating. Potlucks, casseroles. Come on now. That's about as Baptist as it gets, is a casserole. For those of you newlyweds, that's when you take all your leftovers, put it in one pan, put cheese on it, and put it in the oven. That's what a casserole is. We've got a reputation for enjoying eating and fellowshipping. Would to God we had a reputation for having a towel. He left the relaxation. Let's keep looking. The Bible says he laid aside his robe. He left the relaxation. He left the refreshment. He laid aside his robe. The Bible says he laid aside his garments. There's just some things you can't do with church clothes on. Right. <laughs> If you come up here tomorrow and see me, I'm not going to have on this suit. I'm not going to have on this new suit coat that nobody even noticed I had a new suit coat. I was sitting in my office and I said, I want a new suit coat. I don't do that often, but I did it yesterday. I want a new suit coat. I got a birthday coming up. I'll probably get some money and we'll spend some of it before I get it. That's living by faith, praise God, right there. You come up here tomorrow, I won't have this nice new suit coat on and this new tie. Oh, no. I'll have on an old T-shirt and blue jeans and work boots. I'm not going to look like a pastor at all. I'm not going to look like a TV evangelist. I can promise you that. <laughs> I'll be back there with a sledgehammer knocking those walls out and hauling them to the dumpster. We're going to be framing, putting in floor systems, and it's going to be work. There's some things you can't do in church clothes. You know what he did? He's, he's telling us, he's telling us there's a time and a place to have that outer robe and then there's a time and place to take it off and serve. Come on now. He took off his outer robe. I've got in my notes, he took his go to meeting clothes off and put on his go to ministry clothes. <laughs> Amen. I'm not that interested in your dress shoes. I want to know if you've got some work boots, praise God. Amen. I see people show up for work day in Crocs, and I just shake my head. This ain't going to go well. Because the kind of work we do, Crocs ain't the right gear for it. I can tell you that right now. Flip-flops, don't come up here tomorrow with flip-flops on. I will hit your toe on purpose with a sledgehammer. I promise you. You'll go home with a big old black toe, because I'm going to slam it with a hammer. Flip-flops and Crocs. Some things you just got to take your nice clothes off, and you got to put your work clothes on. This is, this is servant leadership right here. He left the relaxation. He laid aside his robe. Thirdly, he lowered his reputation. The Bible says he riseth from supper, laid aside his garments, and took a towel and girded himself. This is about as base as it gets. This is about as low as it gets. This is about as humble as you could possibly make yourself. So much so that I don't even want to do it. I don't want to take this towel and wrap it around me and walk around up here on this platform because it is just not what people want to be seen as. And yet Jesus took his outer garments off and he took a towel and girded himself. I couldn't help but think about Philippians chapter number two. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus 
who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. How could a man humble himself to the death of the cross if you can't even humble yourself to put on a towel? Do you have a towel? The most menial of tasks was pouring water in a basin. You can train a monkey to do that. And yet Jesus, with all those disciples, all of those staff members, all of those servants that were there, he chose to do that himself, to demonstrate to them an exhibition of service. I am not too good and too important to do the small little thing. Poured water in a basin and began to wash the feet of the disciples. Number two, write this down. We see the explanation of service. Verse number 12 down through verse number 15. I'm not going to really expound too much the conversation. Peter, Peter, bless his heart, he always had the sticking his foot in his mouth syndrome. You're not going to wash my feet unless you wash me all over. Jesus said, I don't need to wash you all over. I just need to wash your feet. A lot of people think they have to get saved again every time they do something wrong. No, you just need to get an altar and get right with God. You just need to bow your head and get in your prayer closet, confess and forsake, amen? Find mercy. You don't need to be bathed all over. Just wash the dust off your feet. Right. There's a lot of good preaching in there, but I want to focus on the topic this evening. The Bible tells us in verse number 12, so after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, know ye what I have done to you? We would say it like this. Did you get it? <laughs> was you paying attention? I'm afraid for a lot of people it was just went right over their head. What in the world? Oh, that's kind of what Peter said. Right. Peter said, I don't get it. I begin looking at how many times just in these few verses right here, the Bible tells us that Jesus knew something that they didn't know. And I was blown away, verse number one, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come. Supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Look at verse 11, for he knew who should betray him, but therefore he said, you're not all clean. He knew that. He knew that, Simon, he knew that Judas was going to betray him. He knew that he was going to be betrayed. He knew who was going to do it. Now, they didn't know. They didn't even know after he told them. Look at verse 22. Then the disciple, well, Jesus said in verse 21, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. The disciples looked one another, doubting of whom he spake. Verse 25, he then lying on Jesus' breath said unto the Lord, Lord, who is it? And Jesus said, He it is to whom I shall give a sop. When I have dipped it, and when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot. They still didn't get it. Just missed it. They didn't get it. Sometimes I feel sorry for Jesus having to try to teach these thick skull disciples stuff. They just didn't get it. A lot of times they didn't get it. Jesus knew so many things. In verse number three, look at it. Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand. And Jesus knowing that he was come from God and knowing that he went back to God. He knew all this. The chapter's filled with stuff that Jesus knew. Verse number six and verse number seven, Peter said, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? 
Jesus answered unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Bless your heart. Peter, just stay with me, buddy. You'll figure it out pretty soon. He's always trying to explain. He's always trying to educate. By the way, that's what good leaders do. They demonstrate and they explain. Sometimes over and over and over again. Truth of the matter is, in this passage, Jesus is trying to teach them something he had already talked about it before in another place, and they didn't get it. Apparently they didn't get it. In Luke chapter number seven, you remember that story where the woman came in, washed his feet with ointment, washed his feet with her hair. When you get to Luke seven, verse number 44, he turned to the woman and said to Simon, seest thou this woman, I entered into thine house, Thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears and washed and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. If the disciples had been clued in that day, they would have recognized Jesus, Jesus expected somebody to wash his feet when he came in this house and nobody did. And you'd think out of 12 of them, one of them would have went and got a bowl of water and done it. But they apparently, in the upper room, they all plopped down to eat and nobody washed Jesus' feet or anybody else's feet. And Jesus said, you know what? This is the last time we're gonna have a, 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 a teaching opportunity this side of Calvary. I guess I better show them how this is done. I guess I better not just demonstrate it, but I better walk it through them and explain it to them. And the Bible says he began to teach them. He began to explain it to them, the importance of serving. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. Three and a half years they had sit at the feet of Jesus. Three and a half years they had heard every message. They had heard every parable. They had witnessed every miracle. They had participated in some absolutely unbelievable experiences. And yet, somehow, someway, they had missed the importance of serving. Can I tell you something tonight, church? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You can read and study, be a walking encyclopedia biblical knowledge, but until you're willing to roll your sleeves up and get a towel and do something, it's worthless. Amen. It is absolutely worthless. We got a lot of people spend more time studying than they do serving. Right. I'm going to just let that soak in just a second. They spend way more time studying than they do serving. I tell you what, for every verse you show me in the Bible about studying, I'll show you about 10 for serving. Come on now. When you stand before God at the judgment seat, you're not going to be judged for what you know. You're going to be judged for what you did. You're going to give an account for the works. Come on now. Some of y'all looking at me funny. What good is a person that can, that can, that, that, that can expound the scriptures and that, that understands all the doctrines and, and can just, I mean, when it comes to doctrines and, and, and apologetics, they're just a walking encyclopedia, but they never show up for work day. They never invest in anybody else's life. They never pick up their towel and do something. I'll take a loving, compassionate, serving dummy 
over a non-serving, non-compassionate genius any day of the week. I didn't plan on saying that, but I think I just did. Amen. If you're too good to serve, you're just too good. You're better than Jesus. Which gives me my third point. Write this down. We see the expectation of service. Look at what he says. In verse number 13, you call me master and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. You call me master, you call me Lord, and you're right, I am. I'm God in the flesh. I'm sitting here at this table, and I know somebody's going to betray me, and I know which one it is. I know what the future holds. I know what's going to happen tomorrow. I know what's going to happen in the next few hours. I'm God. Right. I'm Lord. I'm master. You're right, I am Lord. I am master, verse 14. If I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Amen. Is that what your Bible says? For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Exactly. Did I ever tell the story my wife might remember. Did I ever tell a story about the foot washing church we went to one time? Did I ever tell that story? I did? I won't tell it again then. But you won't talk about a mess. That was a mess. This is a church that believes that feet washing is like an ordinance, like the Lord's Supper and baptism. And they do it regularly. Well, we didn't know that. They asked us to come and sing. And our family, my mama, daddy, me, and my brother, we got up and sang while they all washed each other's feet. Now you want to talk about a mess. Note to self, ask them the next time if they wash feet, because you don't want to be there for that. It smelled like a wet dog in there. I'm not exaggerating a bit. They sit on that front row and put their feet over in buckets of water and washed each other's feet, and somehow enough that water was brown when they got done. And I still ain't figured that one out. How many people went to church that day? Maybe they just saved up all their dirt for the foot washing. I don't know. Maybe they just didn't bathe their feet for a month so that the feet washing could really, you know, get it done. <sighs> my goodness. And our family was up there singing, and my mom was singing that old song, Under His Feet, Under His Feet. And they went to shout and run the aisles. And we sang another song about feet. And there they went running the aisles and shouting. And my dad looked over at me on the piano and said, We ain't singing no more feet songs. <laughs> We just sang till they put the water up, amen. We sung till they got done. I was not coming off that piano till they got till the water was poured out in the yard. He's not talking, listen to me, he's not talking about us coming in here and literally washing each other's feet. This was a type and a picture of serving and ministering each other and loving each other, taking care of each other, seeing about each other humbling yourself and not being so lifted up. And he said to them in verse 15, for I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. Neither he that sent greater than he that sent him. What a statement. Jesus made no bones about it. The lesson was more than an exhibition of service. There was an expectation of service. And Jesus said, if I being your Lord and master have washed your feet, you also want to wash one another's feet. I can make a, I can write a book. I could just, you could too if you thought about it long enough. You could write a book of bullet points 
of what it means to wash somebody's feet. Ways that you can do that. The problem is we don't think about it. We think somebody else is going to do it. We wait on somebody else to do it. And sometimes they do and sometimes they don't and it just don't get done. As a pastor, I suppose you can make the argument, Pastor Schiffer, that's your job to see about people. It's part of being a pastor, and you're right, it is. But I hadn't always been a pastor. Maybe God let me be a pastor because I was already doing it. God might open doors for you if you'll find your towel and get busy using it. I don't, I, don't, I don't know really tonight who all needs this message, but my question, I guess, to you is, do you have a towel? Thought about this. Is your towel wet or is it dry? That one hit me this afternoon. I've got a towel, preacher. Yeah, when's the last time it was wet? When's the last time you used it? Whose feet have you washed lately? Who have you served this past week? Whose load did you help carry? This past week, whose heart have you encouraged? Whose spirits have you lifted? How this past week did you demonstrate true Christ-like charity and ministry to somebody else? The key to the story is verse number 17. This is what I believe. Jesus said, if you know these things, if you get it, you're a bunch of hard-headed, ignorant disciples, but if it ever clicks, And you get this. You understand what I'm saying. That's the secret to true happiness. You'll be happy. (laughs) Preacher, I just want to be happy. Being self-centered and caring about your four and no more is not how you be happy. The secret to happiness, according to Jesus Christ, is verse 17. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. You've got to go from knowing it to doing it. And there seems to be a disconnect with a lot of people in a head knowledge and actual implementing what they say yes, they sir. know. Amen. Yes, sir. Maybe you ought to get in the habit when you're driving down the road. You've got 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes to drive somewhere. Pick, call a shut-in. Talk to them on the phone. Hands-free, of course. Bluetooth. You're in the car. You've got nothing else to do. I do it all the time. I do it all the time. I call Miss Kay, Miss Carnawetter. I called you yesterday, didn't I? I was coming back from getting my suit coat. I told you about it, didn't I? We had a great conversation. She's my favorite. I called Miss Kay. Well, I actually called, talked to Brother Tom, and never got to. She dominated the whole conversation. I didn't get to talk to Brother Tom. She answered the phone. I said, I was thinking about calling an old man, Brother Tom's oldest man I know. Is he close by? She said, he's out there working. And we got to talking. And we had the best time on the phone. And I was just driving home from the store and was able to be a blessing, I hope. to miss. And she was a blessing to me. And I got to share with her a miracle, a blessing about my suit coat. Y'all still don't care about my suit coat. <laughs> I walked in there and tried this coat on. Well, y'all got to get this. This is how my God does. I walked in there and tried this coat on and stood in front of the mirror and looked at it. I said, boy, that looks good. Feels good, fits. You know how hard it is for me to find something that fits. 
And I went and looked at the price tag. It said $279, and I like to pass out. And I just put it back on the hanger and went to hang it back up. And the man walked up and said, can I help you? I said, I'm just looking. I'm just looking. I like that coat right there, but a little rich for my blood, $279 for that suit coat. He said, let me go scan it. And I said, well, is it on sale? He said, well, I don't know. He went and scanned it, and he come back, and he said, that coat's $59.95. I said, I think I'll take it. I think I can swing that. I got a birthday coming up. I believe I can swing $59.95, $219 off. Come on now. And I was sharing that blessing with Miss Cronowetter, and we just had a good time on the phone. I've gotten in the habit when I'm driving down the road, I'll say, I've only got about 15 minutes. I'm headed to the store. I just want to call and check on you. What is that? Bear with me. I think it might be washing somebody's feet. Will that work? Checking on somebody, need anything? There's a thousand ways we can do that. I'm not preaching out on all the ways. I'm just asking you, do you have a towel? Because Jesus had one. Sitting in that upper room with Calvary looming in the near future, Jesus had a towel and used it. And looked at his disciples and he said, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to get your towel out and wash one another's feet like I just washed yours. And if you ever learn this, if you know this, happy are ye if you do it. I wonder tonight with heads bowed and eyes closed, do you want to be a happy Christian? You're going to need your towel. Do you want to please the Lord? You're going to need your towel. Do you want to let other people know that you care about them and that you love them? Guess what? You're going to need a towel.